0: Well, you can turn in your Bibles to Matthew 13. Matthew 13, that's where we had our um, our Bible reading, scripture reading for this morning, in Matthew 13. And we have been, through the course of this year, looking at focusing on the Christ. We began the beginning of the year by looking at the shadow of Christ and then moved into the life of Christ a few months ago. And considering the life of Christ, we considered his birth, we considered his youth, his ministry, we have gotten into and we're being part of now looking at his preparation for ministry, his proclamation of ministry, and last week we looked at his power of ministry. And through that we saw his power over um, over uh, nature, over demons, over uh, sin, over sickness, over handicaps, over demons, etc., uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. And uh, we want to continue looking at his ministry today by looking at his his parables, okay? And so we've got a lot to look at, so we're going to jump right into it. His parables. And in Matthew 13 um, we have a chapter um, that is fully devoted to, to, if you would, the the parables of the kingdom of heaven that Christ gave. The parables of the kingdom. But as we look at this segment of Christ's ministry, um, it's important to realize that we're looking at it because Christ overwhelmingly used parables in his teaching. Um, And if you don't fully comprehend his parables, you're really not going to glean a lot of his, his teachings. So the first thing we want to consider is the definition of, of parables, understanding what a parable is. Well, a parable is a transliteration of the Greek word parabole. You can see it up there and it just kind of looks like it. Okay, parabole. Let me bring it over, it sounds like a parable. Well, parabole is, is comprised of two Greek words, para, meaning beside or alongside of, and bole, which actually comes from bellow, okay, the the verb is bellow, and it means to throw or to place um, alongside. And so literally, bringing all this together, it means to place or to throw alongside as a comparison. And so a parable, then, is a form of speech which is used to illustrate a teaching or to persuade by the help of a word picture, okay? And so Christ would Come along, and he would use word pictures in order to describe a teaching that he was trying to get across to um, those that were with him. And so the word parable is used 50 times in the New Testament. 48 of those times is then used in the synoptic gospels. The synoptic gospels, okay? Sorry about that. Anyway, synoptic, that's right. So anyways, does anybody know what the synoptic gospels are? Okay, here's... Matthew, Mark, and Luke. That's right. Not John. John chose not to, 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 to share that part of Christ's teachings. But in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all share the, the, the teachings by Christ using parables. The other two times it's used is in the book of Hebrews. And so, if you would, I would like you to turn there to Hebrews 11. Okay, now ahead, you go to Matthew 13. Keep your finger there. We'll come right back. Um, to see the, the usage of the word here in Hebrews 11 Verse 17 down to 19 says, And if, if some of the branches were broken off, and you being a wild olive tree... I'm looking in Romans. I'm thinking, that does not look like the passage that I'm, I'm planning on reading to you. It's a good passage, though, about us as Gentiles being grafted in. But it's clearly not the one that I was thinking of. Ah, Okay, Matthew or Hebrews 11, verse 17 says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offer up Isaac, and he who received the promises offered up his only begotten son of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense, as a parable. We're told then that Isaac, the the offering up of Isaac, if you would, was a parable in and of itself. Does that make sense? And so though it was an actual event, God was using that as a what? A word picture to describe what? Jesus Christ. That's right. His own great love for us. And that that just as Abraham was asked to offer up Isaac but never had to do it, so God was going to offer up his only begotten son. And so Genesis 20 has become a tremendous picture. And we use that when we talk about the shadow of Christ, looking at the picture. Why? Because God himself declares that it is a a parable, a use of a figurative sense. And then in chapter 9, turn back a page probably in your Bible to chapter 9 of Hebrews, Hebrews 9, where we're talking about um, the tabernacle and its sacrifices and such. And in beginning of verse 7 of chapter 9, we read, But into the second part, that is the second part of the tabernacle, that is the Holy of Holies, the, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance the Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. It was symbolic. It was a parable for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience. And so that whole tabernacle concept and the sacrificial um, system that was there was all what? a parable. It was a living parable. Does that make sense? It was a big word picture, it was um, symbolic of that which was to come. And so, now, as we understand these things, we understand that as I go back into Isaac and I look, at, I look at the testimony of the offering of Isaac, I've got to be careful that I don't take every jot and tittle of what was going on in that sacrifice as meaning something. Does that make sense? You follow what I'm saying? I mean, what was the importance of the event? Well, he was willing, but the offering of of Isaac, that that God was asking Abraham to take that which was most valuable to him into what? Sacrifice it out of his love for God. Does that make sense? Okay. And that there was going to be a what? There was going to be a commitment for him to do so. He was going to to have to leave his, his tent, and he was going to travel for what? Three days, knowing, knowing that he was going to what? Sacrifice his son. And so Jesus, if you think about it, came to the earth. And not only did he live for 30 years, 30, 33 years, but he ministered on the earth for what? For three years, knowing what? What was going to happen? God the Father sent him knowing what was going to happen okay so but we can get into all the the details and so well there was sticks you know they took sticks along with them they had a couple donkeys they had a couple servants and 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 we can and we can start to try to extrapolate and say well the servants mean this the sticks mean this the donkeys mean this do you understand and then all of a sudden we've taken what we've taken the word picture too far out of its context do you understand The same thing with the tabernacle and the sacrifices. Now, that's my point where I'm trying to build coming into Matthew 13. Okay? Sometimes we go into these parables of Jesus and we do what? We try to make everything into something beyond what Christ even said they were. Do you understand? A word picture is just simply saying, you guys know how much I love green beans, right? Okay, I mean, I love green beans. Barf. Okay, it's my favorite vegetable, and I'm lying. I'm not a liar, anyways. Okay, and so it's like me saying, Honey, I feel like green beans, like, like I feel like worse, I, I would feel worse than watching the Falcons come back and beat the Steelers in the t- last two minutes of a game, you know? And now, you, understand, you know, for, for you all understand how much I love the Steelers, right? And how much I'd hate to see them lose to somebody, and the, that tells you how much I really must hate Green beans. Okay, I've given an analogy. I've given a comparison. Okay, and so we've talked about that. Okay, so the function of parables. Then um, we're looking at Christ in, in Matthew 13 of how did then Christ use parables? Well, he declared to us very clearly how he was going to use these parables, what function they had for him. So back, hopefully, you're there in Matthew 13, and I'll turn since I forgot to hold my finger in that place. So I turn back to Matthew 13, and we want to look at beginning at verse 10. Okay. This is in the midst of the uh, the parable of the sower and the seed. Okay, he gives the parable of the sower and the seed, and um, and he ends it in verse nine. Okay, and says, "He who has what ears to hear, let him hear." Now we know that that same phrase from where? Revelation. The book of Revelation. And every time at the end of his statement to the the church, he says, "He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the." churches okay and so he says he who has ears to hear well continue on now in verse 10 because the disciples say to him they said um why do you speak to them in parables in word pictures like this and he answered and said to them because it has been given to you to know the mysteria the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven but to them it has not been given for whoever has to him more will be given to him And he will have abundance, but whoever does not have, even what he does have will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. And he goes on to talk about. Well, first of all, he says that the, 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 the function or the purpose of him using these parables is to do what? Conceal the knowledge of the kingdom. He says, because, he says, listen, you know, you understand it, but what? They don't. But secondly, he says what? It's to reveal. It's to reveal the kingdom, okay? To reveal knowledge of the kingdom. So, here we've got a paradox going on, okay? That In Christ's teaching. Christ says, I'm, I'm teaching these things out of a forked tongue, if you would. Okay? Because I know in saying it, One part of the audience is going to what? They're going to understand it. The other part of the audience is what? They don't get it. And there's no doubt in my mind that there are times when I'm preaching and I'm teaching, when not just here, but wherever, that part of the audience what? They're not getting it. But other part of the audience is what? They're tracking right with me okay, they're getting it, and it's not a matter of what my interpretation is, it's just even a matter of, as you're reading the word of God, this morning, it was a long reading this morning, I mean, Steve made it longer by adding those first two verses, and <laughs> I thought, I thought when, I, when you start reading, I thought, Steve, boy, I should really maybe cut this down to just reading about the sower and the seed, but anyways, I wanted to read about all the parables, okay, and one of the things I did think about as Steve was reading it, okay, was being in such a long passage, I wonder how many people are, are this is a drag to, so don't admit it right now, okay? So don't tell me whether that, a long Bible reading was a drag to you, okay? Because honestly, in the Old Testament, if you go to the days of, of Nehemiah, okay? when they were building the wall and they were done building the wall, what in, in, in the days of Ezra, what did they do? They read from, the, read from the law. They read from the word. And how long did they read? All day. All day. <laughs> they stood half of the day. Stood half of the day. You know? And, and we you know, oh man, you know, this is a five minute reading, you know, and we oh, you know, and so it's it's a real struggle, but the reality is, if we have a delight in the word of God, we will delight in hearing it. Does that make sense? Okay, as Americans, we've kind of lost sight of that, you know, we've become very lethargic and apathetic and things, but in this use of a picture, a word picture then, and Christ giving out illustrations of his teaching specifically here about the kingdom of heaven he said that those who have ears to hear, get it? will what? get it, that's right, they'll understand it, but those who don't have eyes to see and ears to hear, in other words they really don't what? care to know what's going to happen they're not going to get it James 1, 22-25 Um, when Marsh and I were first saved, became our life verse for us. And it says, um, Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he's like a man who beholds his face in the glass or mirror. He beholds himself and goes his way, and straightway he forgets what manner of man he was. But whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty, and continues therein, being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this man shall be blessed in his, his deed." Well, James tells us that there are clearly two different kind of people in life. There are the doers, and there are the hearers only. Okay? And so the hearers only do what? It goes in one ear and the out the other. Or if you would, it goes in one eye and out the other. I mean, and straight up, I mean, I, I can confess this, okay? I mean, there's no temptations overtaking me with such a common man. So I know this has probably happened to... Ninety percent of you. There may be one that's a super saint here, but that that you've you've read the word, and at the end of reading the word, you, you can't remember hardly anything you read. Why? Because you were reading the book of numbers. you're reading the book of Numbers. Yeah, but that's right, you were reading the book, but you were having there, there was uh, something else was going on in my mind. I was what? I was distracted. I wasn't focused on the teaching. I wasn't. If you would, then because it's whose word. God's Word. So let's be honest. Let's be straight. Let's bring it all the way back to where it was. I wasn't focusing on God. I was there because I was supposed to be there with my Bible open and reading, but my mind was someplace else. I can't imagine being in the presence of Jesus and having my mind be someplace else. Okay. However, I know it was the fact. I know Jesus said at different times, He says, you're only here because I what? Because I fed you. You're here so I can give you another meal. You're not here so I can feed you, spiritually speaking. You're here so I can make your tummy stop grumbling. But man does not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeds from the mouth of God, right? And so this concept then of Jesus using parables was so that those who really were interested in learning could what? Learn. But those who were only interested in in kind of... Say again? Sinocites, or, or buffeting, if you would, shining up their own self-righteousness with new knowledge and new teaching, they wouldn't, what? They wouldn't get it. They wouldn't get it. And so, he goes on then, and says, the careless listener, or this is my, my summation of it, the careless listener, who thought he knew everything, would hear only a story that he did not really understand, and the result in his life would be judgment. The other side is you have a sincere listener with a desire to know God's truth, would ponder the parable, confess his ignorance, submit to the Lord, and then begin to understand the spiritual lesson that Jesus wanted him to, to learn. And so, as before we move on, my, my challenge to you, my question to you would be, which of those are you? When you, Hopefully, you go to God's word, and you spend time in God's word. If you don't, already, you have a, there's, a, there's a situation that, that needs to be dealt with, because Jesus said, you are my disciples indeed, if you abide in my word. Okay? And so if you're not abiding in Christ's word, then chances are you're not his disciple indeed anyway. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, we read that those who have tasted of the graciousness of God are going to be like newborn children who are going to have a desire for the sincere milk of God's word. Okay? And so if you don't have a desire for God's word, just straight off, this is kind of a little aside, you have another issue. And probably that issue is you've got to decide whether you were even saved. Okay? If you have no desire to know the teachings of your master, then maybe he's not your master because okay? you will want to know the teachings of whoever your master is, whoever you're seeking to become like. Okay? Now, in that then, let's assume that you're all part of the master and following the master. What is it like when you go to the Word? Are you the careless listener, or are you the sincere listener? Which one are you? Are you really seeking to glean from God's Word? Are you seeking His face to understand His truths? We're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 2 that the spiritual things have to be discerned what? spiritually, okay? And so we need to be seeking the Spirit of God to understand these things. Now, understanding the parables, Jesus then, in his communication of the parables, this is where we're going to spend just a little bit of time in going through some of these parables. In Matthew 13, okay, now what do we know as Steve read throughout these parables, okay? And there was a reason for all this, that we did all that. What was the first thing that you you can conclude about these parables, okay? Um, We're we're talking about... um, inductive studying here, if you would, okay? And using an inductive study method, that means that you're going to read the passage and you're going to look for repetitive themes to, in order to, to determine what the overall purpose was of writing. Does that make sense? Okay, we're not going to read into something. We're going to try to take it out. That's called exegesis rather than eisegesis, Okay. And so, if I read Matthew 13, what is a continual theme that's spoken over and over again, other than a parable? Because we know we're talking about parables, because I said so. That's deductive. <laughs> but now we're going to be inductive. What about the parables? What is what is like? Okay, kingdom of heaven, what did you say? Agriculture, too. Okay, good. Okay. They, they all say the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. And yes, Gina, it's a, a great point that they're all agricultural. Okay, now I'm going to throw that one aside for a moment. Why do you think they're all agricultural? That's what, they that's what they understood. Okay, we're going to come back to that. Because he did teach them in a manner in which they what? They understood. So that's why I use a lot of football illustrations sometimes. Because, I mean, because honestly, because you guys will understand. The I mean, ladies may not. But the guys, you understand what? Uh, sports. Sports, okay? And so we relate to sports. I mean, even Paul used the Olympics of his day, okay? The, the Isthmian Games back in First Corinthians chapter 9 in, in the book of Hebrews and stuff like that. All those things of running the races and stuff like that. He's talking about the Olympics and the Isthmian Games, which were held in Corinth. You were saying something, Todd. I also see good and bad together. Good and bad together, okay? Um, and so they were all just pictures. Okay, just a, a variety of situations as well, not just all agrarian, but really from a, a wide angle of things. He was really trying to, to get people to see the kingdom of heaven, if you would, almost like a diamond. You know, when you picture a diamond, what 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 do people consider when they consider a diamond? Shiny, Shiny clearness. Say, Daniel, the facets. The cuts, the facets. Okay? When you talk about a diamond, many times you talk about the facets, the cuts. When you look at the diamond, um, have, have any of you ever been up to the um, Smithsonian, and I think it's the Museum of Natural History, and they have there a room dedicated to a, a rock? Okay, Anybody know what rock it is? The Hope, the Hope Diamond. The Hope Diamond. Okay, And I've been there, so I saw this rock. Anyways, this fancy rock, this shiny rock, this rock that everybody values because they they put this in this thing, and, and you get to walk. I mean, I'm thinking, this is really nuts. Anyways, but, of course, the ladies in the group, they were oohing a- over this thing. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm spending time in this line, proceeding through this room, looking at a rock. I couldn't even skim this thing. It didn't even look like a good skimmer. Anyways, you know, <laughs> so, but... But one, anyways to go back to it, one thing you, we noted that as we went around this rock, looking at it from its different angles and facets was what? Do you remember, Jessica? You were, you were being wheeled, so you might have had a different angle. She was in a wheelchair at the time. I was pushing it, probably. <laughs> deep blue. It had a ton of different angles. I remember it only being deep blue at a certain angle. But that it changed colors at different angles. It, 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 there you go, different lighting. Okay, see, that's the girl's side. Okay, it was a different lighting, different glows. Anyways, the point was this, if depending on which angle you were looking at this rock at, from, this stone, this precious gem, you saw it from a, in a different light, literally. Does that make sense? Well, that's the, kind of the idea of what he's doing here with these, these parables. He's saying, you know, this is the kingdom of heaven is like the kingdom of heaven. Is. So let me ask you this question right off the bat. Okay? This is a, this should be almost a no brainer. But it's not for many theologians. Because sometimes they have a little bit too much information and too much knowledge, okay? So you how many of you have seminary degrees? Good. Okay, you're just kind of people I want to talk to. All right, Because now you're not going to be thinking too deep on this one. Okay? What do all of these parables have in common? Jesus spoke them. You're really getting basic here, Clark. That's good. All right, wait, wait. Let's let's go to a real theologian. Andrew? The kingdom of heaven. There, he's got it. The kingdom of heaven. A nine-year-old. Nine-year-old, right? Nine. Good. To make sure. Nine-year-old gets it. The kingdom of heaven. I mean, the beginning in every one of these parables, Jesus says what? The kingdom of heaven is like. Okay? So that tells us he's talking about the kingdom of heaven, and he's going to do what? He's going to give us a comparison. A word picture. Something that he's going to compare what? The kingdom of heaven, too. Now, I know. I'm just telling you. If read, read some commentaries. Go out there, read some things, and listen to people say, no, no, well, this isn't talking about the kingdom of heaven. It's like, Jesus just said the kingdom of heaven is like. So who do I believe? The commentator or Jesus? I'll offer Jesus, okay? So what's the first one we see? We see the wheat and the tares, okay? Beginning in verse 24, in Matthew 13, we read, that the parable he put forth then them says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sows good seed into the field, but while men... While men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, do you want us to, did you not sow good seed in your field? He says, Yes, I have. He said, Well, then how did the tares come? He said, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us to go and to, to gather up the tares? He said, No, lest you gathering up the tares, you should also uproot the, the wheat. Okay, now, so we know it's about the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so real basic here. Okay, again, remember the, the, the story of Abraham and, and Isaac. Okay, remember the, the concept of the tabernacle, something like that. We don't want to go too deep into this thing or beyond what Jesus has gone, and Jesus gives us a, a, a definition of it later on. Okay, but what's it, what's it about? Somebody take a guess? Wolves, in yeah. wolves and sheep's clothing. Well, not necessarily. He didn't say anything about wolves, and he didn't say sheep. <laughs> Yeah, but he Don't give me another word picture to explain his word picture. <laughs> true believers and fake believers. True believers and fake believers. Okay? Um, in a sense, that's true. Okay? But that what? That there was also what? Sowing of the, the seed as well, right? And then what happens when the seed, the, the gospel, if we would, okay, happens? There will what? There will sprout then believers. Okay, like you've said. But while that's going on, what's happening? This devil is sowing his seed. And we know, now again, this is where you've got to go in this agrarian society, that the tares actually weren't totally different. In fact, you would not know a tear from a stalk of grain or wheat until they came to fruition, to head. The heads were different. And so they could grow up alongside each other and no one would even know until the point came where there was bearing fruit. That's where I think you go back and you bring in the, the sower and the seed and some you know, some bear some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Okay? But we don't want to do that. But take this for what it is. So very clearly what Jesus is saying in this kingdom of heaven as it starts to occur that there's going to be what? There are going to be unbelievers that are going to come in right along what? Believers. So should it shock you that there are hypocrites in the church? Do you know what a hypocrite is? It's one who puts on the the mask. So they're not a believer, but they put on the mask of a believer. Okay, And so every once in a while, somebody's mask is what? Pulled off. Does it surprise us? Yes. Does it offend many people? 100%. Should it? No. Why? Because Jesus said it's going to happen. Now, this being the case, I want to ask you something about the kingdom of heaven. Okay? Right off the bat, just from this one parable, where do you think the kingdom of heaven is located? Is it in heaven? It's everywhere. Now, it's okay, Liz. You, you said it's within us, right? Is what you were going to say? Okay, well, we go back to what Jesus said about the kingdom. Remember, Jesus said there, you know, that there was the physical kingdom, which was Israel, but then there's also the spiritual kingdom, which is within us, and then there's the eternal kingdom, which is in heaven. But do you think that in heaven there are false believers? No. In fact, he says in the end, he says, no, leave them grow together, and in the end, I will send my angels to do what? To take care of them, to separate them. Does that make sense? So very clearly, it's on the earth. This kingdom of heaven is what? It's here. It's, it's, it's earthly. Okay? It's here on the earth. And again, you'll be surprised. Many people, no, kingdom of heaven, it's, it's beyond. It's, you know, it's heaven. And, okay, very clearly we see this. Okay, so let's go on. Verse 31. Jesus immediately transitions into the next one. In this one he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air can come and nest in its branches. And I'll ask a question which I forgot to ask on the first one, but I want to make sure I ask here again. What is the main comparison for the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of heaven is like what? A mustard, a mustard seed. Okay? So what was the kingdom of heaven like in the first one? A man sowing what? Good seed. In it, in it giving fruit. Okay? Now we bring into it because Jesus brought into it the fact that other seed was then sown, but the kingdom of heaven is like seed being sown in it coming forth. Do you understand?? Okay? Here the kingdom of heaven is like what? A mustard seed, a mustard seed. Okay? Now what's done with the mustard seed? It's sown. It's placed in the what? I mean, how do you sow something? You put it in the dirt, right? Okay? And so what happens to the seed? It grows. It germates, it comes to life. it, it grows. And what happens to it now? It becomes a a tree. The kingdom of heaven is like that plant. And that plant then what? Grows so large. Now understand a mustard plant isn't really huge. But compared to all the other garden plants, it does. Especially considering the fact that a mustard seed is one of the very smallest seeds that you can get. Okay? And so he's talking about something that went from a very teeny, teeny, tiny thing to a what? A large thing such that what? The birds of the air can what? Nest in it. Now, tell me then, okay, you who are not learned enough to go too deep into these things, and I'm not, I'm, I'm saying that tongue in cheek, okay, okay. What is the parable about? What is it saying? The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which is planted and it grows. Andrew, you're, you're on a roll. It's the king. See, see, we're we're talking about believers here. It's not believers. We're talking about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is what? It's beyond me. It's beyond this church. It's the kingdom of heaven. It's the kingdom of God. It's God's kingdom. Okay? And so the kingdom of heaven, his kingdom is going to start what? Small. And what's going to happen to it? It's going to get big. <laughs> now, how do I know that it's getting big? What illustration does he give me to tell me that it's getting big? It's well, It, it, and it gets large. But what's the other thing? He large enough for what? Birds to get into it. Now, what part does the bird have in the parable? I know you have. I'm telling you, just read it and, and tell me from what Jesus said. I, if I was standing here and you didn't have thousands of years for, for guys to go deeper in this thing and say it more. If I'm just standing here and I, it says what? It's big enough for them to rest in it. It's big enough. For, well, all he's saying is, listen, this is big enough for, for birds to land in it. That's it. He's just telling you how big it is. But you know what theologians have made this now? These are these. This is the object of sin. These are birds that are coming in, and and I mean this is nuts. I mean, and all of a sudden they start interpreting what the birds are. Jesus never said anything about the birds. He said what? The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Did you get it? So stop. Why do we try to isogetic, and read into something that Jesus never said to read into? He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is going to what? It's going to start small. It's going to get big. Really big, like big enough for birds to get the sit in it. If it was a, if it was a mustard seed, you don't. Yeah. Now we can extrapolate, and we can we can make applications from it, and say, you know, I can't judge based on their size, okay? But that's us later, just doing that. And 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 here what I'm saying is, there's no doubt in my mind. Many of you have already heard teachings on what, on the parables of Jesus, okay? And they've been extrapolated, and they've been they've been applied, and they've been done this, and 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 all I'm trying to get you to do is to be like a child, okay? Jesus said that you, you, you got to be like a child in order to enter into the kingdom. Why? Because when you get old, you try to do what? You make it more than it is. How do you get into the kingdom of heaven? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. I, it's, this, is, it's, this is a no-brainer here. Good. 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 Okay, I want to say it again because I know that on the tape they can't hear that. Okay, But it's saying, the, the reason it's saying birds, it's saying that it's more than one bird. I mean, a lot of plants can't hold, especially a garden plant, can't hardly hold one bird sitting on it. But this is going to have multiple birds of the air sitting on it, maybe like a flock. Good, good, okay. Well, let's go on to the next one, okay. I mean, because we can spend all day on these, okay. And my intent is not to spend all day on each of the parables. But this one is, is very important to us. It's only one, one verse. Now, I understand there's only one verse, but I'm going to tell you in a moment how important this verse is. Another parable he spoke to them, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Okay, class, okay, and again, get rid of all this teaching, okay, don't give me application here, I want straight out, we're doing inductive study, what does Jesus compare the kingdom of heaven to? Leaven. Leaven, leaven, okay, okay, now class, what does he mean by the leaven? What does leaven always mean? I'm, 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 I'm tongue-in-cheek here. I'm very tongue-in-cheek, okay? Leaven, see, you know. You've heard this teaching. Leaven always means sin. Well, we went to Leviticus 23 this morning um, for our thing on fasting, right? Well, I'm going to go back to Leviticus 23 for you. You can go there and check me out later. But in verse 17, I read, during the Feast of Weeks, which is uh, Pentecost, it says, You shall bring from your dwellings two wave loaves of two-tenths of an ephah. They shall be of fine flour. They shall be baked with leaven. For they are the first fruits to the Lord. So, if leaven is always sin, why does God want during his feast all these loaves to be made with leaven in it? Sin loaves. Sin loaves. He wants sin loaves because, especially during the week of feasts, he wants to relish in sin. No, come on, that's so silly. Do you know what Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks, what they also say that happened during the same time? It's the giving of the law. The giving of the law. And at the giving of the law, 3,000 died, but, but at the giving of grace, 3,000 people were saved. Now, that's a little aside, okay? But if that's the, the, the fact, I mean, Jesus, you know, God's not playing with sin at this moment, okay? Leaven doesn't always mean sin. Now, this is important because we sang How Firm a Foundation, and I love that song. It happens to be the theme song, though, of a man, a radio preacher, that I really, I do enjoy, for the most part. But years ago, when I, when I heard him talk on this passage, I really became very disenchanted with him. Does anybody know who I happened to be talking about? Yep. J.E. Vernon McGee. Okay? Now, I love Jay Vernon Okay, and he says it straight out, and you don't have to think about what he's talking about, because he's going to tell you what he thinks. Okay? But he says that this verse is the key verse of understanding chapter 13 of the book of Matthew, which happens to be the key chapter of the entire book of Mark, which happens to be the key book of understanding the entire Bible. What did I say? Matthew, Matthew. That means that you will not fully understand the word of God if you don't understand verse thirty-three of chapter thirteen of the book of Matthew. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? And he says that leaven is sin. Leaven is sin. Now I ask you, okay? Now understand, G. Vernon McGee is—he's with the Lord, and the Lord's teaching him right now. Anyways, but what did Jesus say leaven was? The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven. He didn't say, I want to give you this illustration about the kingdom of heaven, and, and leaven is like sin, and sin is going to be... Ca- and If he was going to say that, he would have said that the kingdom of heaven was like what? Like dough. Do you understand? The kingdom of heaven would be like dough, which a woman took and cast in. And a woman is always, biblically, is, is a symbol of sin as well, and, and of evil. Now... I'm telling you that this is out there, and I'm telling you J. Vernon McGee would teach that as well, okay? And so that, that, is a, that is a standard thought process, okay? Woman, biblically, is a picture of evil. I know, isn't that awful, Corinne? <laughs> well, we're not talking about that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't enter into it right now. <laughs> See, you get it? I mean, that's, you all know that. You all, I mean, you can't do that. That's like saying water always is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And so in John 3 when Jesus says you need to be born more of the water and of the Spirit, he's really saying you need to be born of the Spirit into the Spirit. Really? I don't get it. Anyways, I, I mean sometimes I think I must just be too childish because I'm not getting some of these deeper truths that other people have seen and, and, and talk about. What do I read in one verse? One ver- I mean we're not even talking about a lot of verses. We're talking about one verse. One statement. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman hid, and there's one guy who wants to make a big deal about the hiding it, you know, uh, instead, of put, you know instead of it saying, put into it, it's, it's hiding, and so she's hiding it, anyways, um, but anyways, she's putting it in this loaves of bread, and what happens to the leaven? It spreads to rot, the whole thing. Well, what do I know then, very clearly, I mean, again, don't make this thing deep, what is he saying about the kingdom of heaven? It's going to what? It's going to spread! It's going to spread. Just like leaven going through the dough, it's going to spread. Unless, of course, you're not making leaven bread. But, but if you're making you know, yeast rolls, yeah. you, what do you want the yeast to do? Uh, grow. R- rise, grow, multiply. That's exactly right. Well, you know. So I'm glad you guys get it. I mean, it's not a, a big deal here. Verse 44, okay, he continues on. Uh, after that, he gives a illustri- the explanation. Of the um, of the one parable, in verse forty-four he comes in and says again, the kingdom of heaven. Now it doesn't say in this parable he spoke of, you know, but we know again because he's saying again, the kingdom of heaven is like. So it's another parable: treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Break it down. What did he just say about the kingdom of heaven? Like it's like treasure. It's what? It's valuable. It's valuable enough to sell everything you have, sell it to the poor if you would, using another illustration of Jesus, right? Define the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is that valuable. Sell everything you have in order to get it. Nothing you own is what? More important than the kingdom of heaven. I, I, that's what I read. Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking a beautiful pearl who when he had found one pearl of great price went and sold all that he had and did what? He bought it. So now he goes from an agrarian thing where he finds something in the field and he buys the field to this guy who's a merchant who's now, he's going to understand it because now I'm going to talk about pearls, right? Or ladies, a diamond, whatever it is, okay? And you find this one, you know, Jessica, with your little, you're finding good deals kind of stuff and I'm going to go and buy it and then sell it for three times and charge people usury. Anyways, um, I'm I'm harassing her. Um, Anyways, but that's part of of capitalism society, okay? Anyways, but honestly, oh, in fact, where's, where's your wife at? I can pick, pick your wife. She's not here right now, Sean. Oh, well, yeah, well, you, got, <laughs> you got to watch out when you buy from Jessica. But, but actually, but I'm going to pick on Tom's wife for a moment, okay? Um, because she was telling me that she does eBay. She has an eBay store, right? And she was able to find this one clothing, piece of clothing, for, at a yard sale for like next to nothing. But she recognized the label in it. And thought, wow. And stuck it on eBay and she got how much for it, Tom? Wow, o- over a hundred. I mean, there's too many of those. Anyways, it was oh, well over a hundred dollars. I mean, talk about a profit margin. It was awesome, you know. Well, she recognized the pearl. She recognized the treasure. Did d- you get it? Do you, do you recognize the treasure that God has given to you in the kingdom of heaven? And are you willing to sell it all to gain it more? I mean, you get it? That's, that's what it's about. I mean, I you know, then we have the fish and the dragnet, okay? Verse 47 to 50, where Jesus said it's going to be, the kingdom of heaven is going to be like a what? Like the dragnet, okay? It's not like the fish. It's not like the sea. It's not like the boat. It's like the what? It's like the dragnet that was cast into the sea. And so the kingdom of heaven which was cast into the world, if you would, and I know I'm reading things into there, but get the picture. It's the dragnet. It's cast into the sea. And it gathers some of what? every kind which one was full they drew at the shore and when they sat down and gathered the good into the vessels and threw the bad away what's he going to say it's the same thing that was being said in the first one now from a fishing illustration rather than an agrarian situation there's going to be what good and bad that are brought in okay my job is to to water and to what so God's job is what to give the increase well to give the increase but ultimately then to what to separate he knows the hearts do you get it? I'm you know, So yeah, using this illustration of fishing, my job is just to go out and throw out the dragnet. I mean, I'm supposed to just go out and give out the gospel. Give out the gospel. Give out the gospel. My job's not to worry. I love the the, the central church um, central is it central church of Christ right that you can see right off of the, um, um, Washington Road turns into Parkway, Calhoun Expressway. And as you're going into town on the left side, there's a um, church that's there that has a sign, huh? No, it's not Methodist churches. I thought it was. Yeah, no, no, no. That's way up on Washington Road. That's way up on Washington Road. Where you're you're actually coming into town. But anyways, there's downtown. Downtown. downtown, downtown. Yeah, yeah, Harrisburg. You're right. It's in Harrisburg. Um, and so it's I think it's like a Christian church or something like that. Anyways, but all the time they've had on the sign, "You catch him, he'll clean him." Okay, it's his God, it's God's job, right? And so it's God's job to determine the fish. It's not my job. My job is to do what? Go fishing. I'll make you what? Fishers of men. So I'm going to go out. I'm going to do it. So to communication of the parables. So Jesus used these parables. And I kept forgetting to, to push my button, didn't I? Anyway, so the wheat and the tears, the mustard seed, the leaven, the treasure of the field, the, the precious pearl, and finally we have the fish and the dragnet. Okay. And so we have each of these as being illustrations of what? the kingdom of heaven okay? repetition is the key to learning I just want to make sure that you guys are getting this Okay, um, so Jesus used parables okay? and my encouragement to you in this is be careful of going what too deep, too deep. take Jesus' words for what he meant you know when, when we think we've got to read into his words we almost think that we must what know better than he did Yeah, what's the ship well clearly it must be our church Anyways, um, because we're the only ones giving out the true gospel, so therefore, it must be us. Anyways, but yeah, I mean, and you laugh, but I mean, honestly, if you did, and today, I mean, if you want to know any um, cultic stuff that's out there, just go on the internet, man. I mean, just put it in, and you'll see all kind of teaching that's out there. You go, wow, how can this stuff exist? And even more, how can people be following it? I mean, that's really mind-boggling to me when you, when you see people have the comment things on it and people go, wow, I really appreciate you sharing this. I've never thought about it from this angle before. And I'm thinking, and you shouldn't have. <laughs> Anyways, whatever. Move on. Applying the parables to our life. Well, very clearly, we want to be told that we need to be hearing the word of God. okay Jesus again said what? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And my question to you, my challenge to you is, do you have ears to hear? Romans ten verse seventeen says, "Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God." The word of God. In, in order to grow in your faith, in order to grow in your learning, you have to be abiding in God's word. You have to be hearing it. You have to be listening to Him. Psalm one one to three says, "Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scornful. But his delight, his delight is in the what?" The law of the Lord, the word of God, and in his law or his word doth he meditate day and night, such that he will be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water. It brings forth its fruit in the season, his leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. But it's one then who is abiding, if you would, abiding in the word of God all the time. It's a mirrorism. You know, we talk about. Psalm 113 says praise ye the Lord, praise ye the servants of the Lord, praise the name of the Lord from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. the Lord's name is to be praised. Well, what he's saying, the Lord's name is supposed to be praised all the time, all day from the rising of the sun to the going down, you're supposed to be praising and worshiping God. Well, what does it mean then that he meditates on God's word day and night? It means he's meditating on it when? All the time. Do you get it? And so I want to ask you, what is the focus of your attention throughout the day? I'd love to be able to tell you that 24-7 I am fully focused on the Word of God. I mean, I'm chewing on it, I'm meditating upon it, I'm regurgitating it to myself, I'm just really, I'm, I'm, I'm all over the Word of God. But we do what? We get distracted, don't we? We get distracted, now bring in the parables, we get distracted by things that have no value. It's like a man went out into the field and he found a Wii and he went and he sold all that he had in order to acquire that Wii it had four nunchucks and four, four, uh, four sticks as well and can we, should we throw in some software you know, and it had the, the Madden 10 football or Madden 12 go with the new Madden football and it had the Mario Kart and it had everything else I'm being facetious you wouldn't you think that's goofy But how many times on a daily basis are we willing to exchange the kingdom of heaven, if you would, God's influence in our lives for that which is temporal at best, fleeting, hearing the word of God. I will not grow. I will not understand the word of God. I will not continue to be able to apply God's word and his parables in my life if I'm not willing to do what? hear them if I'm not willing to hear his teaching but secondly and even more importantly then there's the heeding of the word of God I mean there are a lot of people like um, Liz she's not here right now Liz shared in her testimony time you know back in Jesus' day there were a lot of scribes who what they knew the Torah, they had, they, knew the Torah. They, they had it all memorized okay and so I can sit up here and I can quote scripture to you but if I don't understand the word of God and I'm not applying it in my life what good is it to me it's not good at all and so say again it serves to condemn me. Actually, you're exactly right, Daniel. In the end, it will be the word of God that condemns me. And specifically, the word of God that I even know. And so, so to be a hearer only, that's, that's a condemn, condemnation. But rather, not just to be a hearer only, but one who is what? A doer of the word. One who, who hears what it says. And so, in Revelation, again, we read what? He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the, to the churches. You know, Repent repent, 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 repent over and over and over again heeding the word of God so the questions I have then who are you? which of the two are you that we, that we talk about here? in fact, I meant to, if you would before we um, close totally let's go to Matthew 7 because I wanted to close with Matthew 7 verses 24 to 29 listening to the hearer and the heater here okay in Matthew 7, this is the, the, the very end, end of the chapter. Jesus, from Matthew 5 through Matthew 7, has been giving the Sermon on the Mount. Okay? This is all the Beatitude stuff, and you have heard it said, thou shalt not commit murder, but I say unto you, if you call your brother an idiot, then you've just committed a committed murder, and you've heard it said that you should love your... Um, Love your neighbor and, and hate your enemies, but I say unto you, love your enemies and pray for those who spitefully use you. All those things, those, those teachings, that's all in this Matthew 5, the Matthew 7 thing. And at the, the end of Matthew 7, no, judge not lest you be judged. At the end of Matthew 7, verse 24, Jesus says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to. What's he going to do? He's going to give you a parable. He's going to give you a word picture. Okay. So even though the word parable is not here, Jesus is giving us another parable. He's giving us a word picture. He's throwing a picture alongside. I will liken him to a wise man who built a house on a rock and the rain descended and the floods came. Irene, get it? Irene just came. And the winds blew and beat on the house and it did not fa- fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, he would be like a foolish man who built his house on the beach. He built his house in the sand dune. Okay? And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house and it fell and great was its what? Fall, okay? I mean, even down in in the uh, panhandle of Florida, after, I can't remember which which hurricane it was down there, people couldn't get insurance anymore. And they were all up in arms because they couldn't get insurance anymore. And what did the insurance say? We're not insuring that. Why? Built on sand. It's going to what? Next time the storm comes through, it's going to go down again. We're not insuring you. The world understands this parable. It's very clear. Jesus says... The person who listens to my words and then does what? And does them. He's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. the rock. But the one who hears them, as we were saying, and doesn't do them, he's like the foolish man building his house on the sand. Okay, And we know that from the pictures of all of Irene. And one of these days, I'm going to have a great illustration I'm going to put up here. Because for the, over the last so many years, I've been taking pictures of a certain cabin up in Canada. You guys have been there. You know which one I'm talking about. I'm talking about which cabin. That's right. What, what color is it? It's the green one. That's right. It's the green cabin. The green cabin. Okay? There, there may be one other one that's green now, but that's the green cabin. And when I first went up there, the, the green cabin was sitting on this little island. But you could see that the sand was being etched away on this island. And then every year, it's gone more and more. So a few years ago, it was right on the edge. And then the next year I went, the front porch was <laughs> hanging off. And I'm thinking, it's nuts. Well, the next year, you know what they did? They pulled the cabin back. They must have put stuff on it and, and pulled the cabin back into the uh, into the. But the, the, the sand is still giving away, and that island is like nothing anymore. I mean, it's just almost as big as the, as, as the cabin. Okay, and one of these days, that cabin's going to do what? It's going to fall right into the river. Okay, and um, you know, and so you can push it back only so far. But the reality is, one day, the ine- inevitable is going to happen. And so, so the question then is, who are you? Are you the wise man? or are you the foolish man? What are you building your house on? Are you building it on a rock, which means that you're not just hearing, but you're what? You're applying? Or Are you the foolish one? Are you a hearer, or are you a heater? How often are you sitting under the teaching of Jesus? How often are you in his word? Again, if you say that you're his disciple, if you say that he's your master, you ought to be sitting under his word. How often are you Sitting under the teaching of the world. I know that with Irene going on, i spent a lot of time trying to get details of, of where, she, where, she, where she, where it is at and spinning and, 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 and where the landfall is going to be. And I think to myself sometimes, boy, if I'd have spent all that time memorizing scripture, how many more verses would I have had? Which one is more important to you? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your wonderful words of life. I thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, I thank you for the testimony of the kingdom of heaven that you've given to us. Lord, help us to have ears that hear and eyes that see. Lord, help us not to be closed-minded, to be darkened, as is the mind of the Gentiles of this world, but God, that we would seek to exalt you in all things at all times. I pray, Lord, for each of the individuals that are here that, first of all, Lord, that they would know you, that they would Um, be called by your name and assuming Lord that they, they are Lord that they would have a desire to be in your word daily desiring to grow in your grace and in your knowledge and being used of your hand to be a vessel of honor we ask this in Jesus name Amen